Three Detective Anecdotes Number One The Pair of Gloves by Charles Dickens, 1812 to 1870. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Peter Tomlinson. It's a singular story, sir, said Inspector Weald, of the detective police, who, in company with Sergeant Daunton and Myth, paid us another twilight visit one July evening. And I've been thinking you might like to know it. It's concerning the murder of the young woman, Eliza Grimwood, some years ago, over in the Waterloo Road. She was commonly called the Countess because of her handsome appearance and her proud way of carrying off herself. And when I saw the poor Countess, I had known her well to speak to, lying dead with her throat cut on the floor of her bedroom, you'll believe me that a variety of reflections calculated to make a man rather low in his spirits came into my head. That's neither here nor there. I went to the house the morning after the murder and examined the body and made a general observation of the bedroom where it was. Turning down the pillow of the bed with my hand, I found underneath it a pair of gloves, a pair of gentlemen's dress gloves, very dirty, and inside the lining the letters T.R. and a cross. Well, sir, I took them gloves away and I showed em to the magistrate over at Union Hall, before whom the case was. He says, Weld, he says, there's no doubt this is a discovery that may lead to something very important, and what you have got to do, Weld, is to find out the owner of these gloves. I was of the same opinion, of course, and I went at it immediately. I looked at the gloves pretty narrowly, and it was my opinion that they had been cleaned. There was a smell of sulphur and rosin about them, you know, which clean gloves usually have, more or less. I took him over to a friend of mine at Kennington, who was in that line, and I put it to him. What do you say now? Have these gloves been cleaned? These gloves have been cleaned, says he. "'Have you any idea who cleaned them?' says I. "'Not at all,' says he. "'I've a very distinct idea who didn't clean them, and that's myself. "'But I'll tell you what, Weald, "'there ain't above eight or nine regular glove-cleaners in London. "'There were not at that time, it seems, "'and I think I can give you their addresses, "'and you may find out by that means who did clean them. Accordingly, he gave me the directions, and I went here, and I went there, and I looked up this man, and I looked up that man, but although they all agreed that the gloves had been cleaned, I couldn't find the man, woman or child, that had cleaned that aforesaid pair of gloves. What with this person not being at home, and that person being expected home in the afternoon, and so forth, the inquiry took me three days. On the evening of the third day, coming over Waterloo Bridge from the Surrey side of the river, quite beat, and very much vexed and disappointed, 
I thought I'd have a shilling's worth of entertainment at the Lyceum Theatre to freshen myself up. So I went into the pit at half price and sat myself down next to a very quiet, modest sort of young man. Seeing I was a stranger, which I thought it just as well to appear to be, he told me the names of the actors on the stage, and we got into conversation. When the play was over, we came out together, and I said, We've been very companionable and agreeable, and perhaps you wouldn't object to a drain. Well, you're very good, says he. I shouldn't object to a drain. Accordingly, we went to a public house near the theatre, sat ourselves down in a quiet room upstairs on the first floor, and called for a pint of half and half, a piece and a pipe. Well, sir, we put our pipes aboard, and we drank our half and a half, and sat a-talking, very sociably, when the young man says, You must excuse me stopping very long, he says, because I'm forced to go home in good time. I must be at work all night. At work all night, says I. You ain't a baker. No, he says, laughing. I ain't a baker. I thought not, says I. You haven't the look of a baker. No, says he. I'm a glove cleaner. I never was more astonished in my life than when I heard them words come out of his lips. You're a glove cleaner, are you, says I. Yes, he says, I am. Then perhaps, says I, taking the gloves out of my pocket, you can tell me who cleaned this pair of gloves. It's a rum story, I says. I was dining over at Lambeth the other day, at a free and easy, quite promiscuous, with a public company, when some gentleman, he left these gloves behind him. Another gentleman and me, you see, we laid a wager of a sovereign that I wouldn't find out who they belonged to. I've spent as much as seven shillings already in trying to discover, but if you could help me, I'd stand another seven and welcome. You see, there's T.R. and a cross inside. I see, he says. Bless you, I know these gloves very well. I've seen dozens of pairs belonging to the same party. No, says I. Yes, says he. Then you know who cleaned them, says I. Rather so, says he. My father cleaned them. Where does your father live, says I. Just round the corner, says the young man, near Exeter Street, here. He'll tell you who they belong to directly. Will you come round with me now, says I. Certainly, says he, but you needn't tell my father that you found me at the play, you know, because he mightn't like it. All right. We went round to the place, and there we found an old man in a white apron with two or three daughters, all rubbing and cleaning away at lots of gloves in a front parlour. Oh, father, says the young man, here's a person been and made a bet about the ownership of a pair of gloves, and I've told him you can settle it. Good evening, sir, says I to the old gentleman. Here's the gloves your son speaks of. Letters T.R., you see, and a cross. Oh, yes, he says, I know these gloves very well. I've cleaned dozens of pairs of them. They belong to Mr. Trinkle, the great upholsterer, in Cheapside. Did you get them from Mr. Trinkle direct, says I, if you'll excuse my asking the question. 
No, says he, Mr. Trinkle always sends em to Mr. Fibbs, the haberdasher's, opposite his shop, and the haberdasher sends em to me. Perhaps you wouldn't object to a drain, says I. Not in the least, says he. So I took the old gentleman out and had a little more talk with him and his son over a glass, and we parted excellent friends. This was late on a Saturday night. First thing on the Monday morning, I went to the haberdasher's shop opposite Mr. Trinkle's, the great upholsterer's, in Cheapside. Mr. Fibbs in the way. My name is Fibbs. Oh, I believe you sent this pair of gloves to be clean. Yes, I did, for young Mr. Trinkle over the way. There he is in the shop. Oh, that's him in the shop, is it? Him in the green coat? The same individual. Well, Mr. Fibbs, this is an unpleasant affair, but the fact is, I am Inspector Weald of the Detective Police, and I found these gloves under the pillow of the young woman that was murdered the other day over in the Waterloo Road. Good heaven, said he, he's a most respectable young man, and if his father was to hear of it, it would be the ruin of him. I'm very sorry for it, says I, but I must take him into custody. Good heaven, said Mr. Fibbs again, can nothing be done? Nothing, says I. Will you allow me to call him over here, says he, that his father may not see it done? I don't object to that, says I, but unfortunately, Mr. Fibbs, I can't allow of any communication between you. If any was attempted, I should have to interfere directly. Perhaps you'll beckon him over here. Mr. Fibbs went to the door and beckoned, and the young fellow came across the street directly, a smart, brisk young fellow. Good morning, sir, says I. Good morning, sir, says he. Would you allow me to inquire, sir, says I, if you have ever had any acquaintance with a party of the name of Grimwood? 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 says he. No. You know the Waterloo Road? Oh, of course I know the Waterloo Road. Happen to have heard of a young woman being murdered there? Yes, I read it in the paper, and very sorry I was to read it. Here's a pair of gloves belonging to you that I found under her pillow the morning afterwards. He was in a dreadful state, sir, a dreadful state. Mr. Weald, he says, upon my solemn oath I never was there. I never so much as saw her, to my knowledge, in my life. I am very sorry, says I. To tell you the truth, I don't think you are the murderer, but I must take you to Union Hall in a cab. However, I think it's a case of that sort, that at present, at all events, the magistrate will hear it in private. A private examination took place, and then it came out that this young man was acquainted with a cousin of the unfortunate Eliza Grimwood, and that, calling to see this cousin a day or two before the murder, he left these gloves upon the table. Who should come in shortly afterwards but Eliza Grimwood? Whose gloves are these, she says, taking them up. Those are Mr. Trinkle's gloves, says her cousin. Oh, says she, they are very dirty and of no use to him, I am sure. I shall take them away for my girl to clean the stoves with. And she put them in her pocket. 
The girl had used them to clean the stoves and, I have no doubt, had left them lying on the bedroom mantelpiece or on the drawers, or somewhere. And her mistress, looking round to see that the room was tidy, had caught him up and put him under the pillow where I found him. That's the story, sir. End of The Pair of Gloves by Charles Dickens Recording by Peter Tomlinson